0: Blue wire. Think about Lawrence, fires to the end zone, touchdown,
1: Alabama wins. Elliott dodges the eye of this national championship win.
0: A deep throw by Lawrence,
1: a lot of contact. Justin Ross broke free from it, he's done.
0: Welcome into episode 146 of Press Pass. Kayla Anderson here with Joshua Perry. And we actually got to tape this segment after the new college football playoff rankings came out this week, Um, Joshua. So I'm going to really quickly go through the top 10 and then I know you've got some input. You've got some stuff you want to talk about so let's start off with number one. Um, nothing's changed in the top four. It's Georgia, Bama, Oregon, and Ohio State. And that's going to be followed up by Cincy at five, Michigan, Michigan State at seven, Notre Dame, Oklahoma State, and Wake Forest rounding out the 10. How is your morning and what do you got for me on the college football playoff?
1: Morning's great. Um, this, is, this is the interesting thing about the old CFP.
0: Mm-hmm. is
1: I feel like they are starting to lose the trust of college football fans and viewers and really some of their stakeholders in the programs that are involved in the rankings, right? And yep. so Gary Barta last week was – people really pushed back on the fact that Michigan – jumped Michigan State after Michigan yes. State lost to Purdue – Uh, a week after they beat Michigan. And and so one of the things that they said a week ago was Michigan was a more well-rounded team, which I said that even before the rankings came out, I totally agree with that. But Mm -hmm. I also think Michigan is a more well-rounded team than Ohio state. I'm not exactly sure that Michigan's going to beat Ohio state because I think Ohio state's still better. So more well-rounded doesn't necessarily mean better, but he was asked about it again. And this is what Gary Barta said, and this, it really floored me. He said, set aside watching the games, though that's certainly part of it, but statistically in about every category, offensively and defensively, Michigan comes out on top over Michigan State. All right, so let's dig into this then. Mm. Set aside watching the games. Why? The, the whole reason we have a human committee instead of computers picking it is because you can literally watch the games. Yes, and yeah. then he said, though, it's certainly part of it. it. Well, it better be a big part of it. But yeah. anyway, statistically in about every category, except for the scoreboard on the day that they played. How about oh. that? Yep. Ah, oh, so here no. I am all hot and bothered. That's, it's just dumb.
0: That's it's a dumb. great point. No, and I first of all, I think that's foolish of him for saying, and maybe he didn't know how he was saying it or how it came across, which I find that funny to believe because you're sitting here representing them. And, and Gary
1: Bart is if, a very smart man. Too. I
0: Absolutely. And you'd think that you'd want to be um, particular about what you're putting out there after these college football playoff rankings every week. And for him to say, uh, you know, watching it, it's a part of it. Kind of like, oh, that's kind of the last thing we're really doing. I mean, <sighs> your point exactly, Joshua, the whole reason for this college football playoff committee is to be able to watch these games, to be able to really look at these teams detail wise not just on paper because we we all know every Saturday when these teams meet it's not always going to be the team on paper that wins I mean and so to be able to really watch a game and see what these teams do well um and see why teams need to be ahead of other yes. teams it's just it's stupid for him to say
1: and and so it's interesting right because I was doing a podcast yesterday with my guy Christian Hackenberg and mm-hmm. he brought up A phrase that my my good friend, Glenn Mason, who was a former Ohio State player and assistant, Minnesota Gophers coach, used to say all the time, is figures lie and liars figure, right? Yep. And so taking a look at the stats, I think, can be helpful. But when you are 10 days removed from a head-to-head result, you you can't go back to the stats. This is what I wish they would just say is that, well, you know what? Michigan had a big lead in that game, and they had some bad calls go against them. And quite frankly, we're not exactly sure that we like the outcome of that game, and we just think Michigan's a better team. If they would say that, I I would feel comfortable about it. But to try to justify it based off the stats, because then what you're doing is you're saying, okay, we're going to give credit to Michigan for scheduling Western Michigan and Northern Illinois – and blowing the the doors off of them and give them credit for playing a bad Washington team yeah. that they might have thought was going to be a, a good team. That's what bothers me about that as well in all the statistical categories. Yeah, well, you know what? Let, let Ohio State play Northern Illinois and see what the damn score is and see what the stats say.
0: Exactly. Right? No, mm-hmm. exactly.
1: Of course, to flip it. And, and and I'll finish with this because I know I'm going on and on. Um, I don't think that, that Michigan at this point should be ranked over Michigan State. And a large part of that is not only the head-to-head result, but also there are games of consequence down the line where you can, th- that will help you make that determination. Just the same way that I am a firm believer that Oregon, even still at this point, yeah. should be ranked over Ohio State. I yeah. believe that because there are games of consequence yeah. down the line for Ohio State that will help the committee make yeah. a decision and differentiate the resumes and, and overlook the head-to-head that happened. 10 weeks ago, Um, but even further than that, even further than that, when you look at what Oregon has done, Mm -hmm. they got a chance to play themselves out of it too. Yep. And that's the big thing to me is why don't we just let these things go on? Yeah. The committee is using the head-to-head in the case of Oregon-Ohio State and not in the case of Michigan-Michigan State, and it's just the inconsistency.
0: And that was exactly my next point, and and obviously you made that clear. Um, it what makes that any different from the Michigan Michigan State head to head? I mean, I just to me, it, it doesn't make any sense. Like at least if you're if you're doing that, be consistent throughout the whole playoff um, rankings, or be consistent with your message. But to me, it just seems like it's anything but that. And it, again, I've heard more than one one person complain about this this week, and and kind of have some some beef with the whole situation. So it'll be interesting because it will play. I think a lot of it will play out um, in the next couple of weeks, and we'll get to some of the the games coming up here at the end of this podcast. There's only a really a couple good ones on the slate, but those are some really good points, Joshua. If you thought that was drama. Just just wait till our next segment because my goodness. There, we love some
1: drama too. We
0: do. And it's the time of the year that we need a little we need a little bit of that injected in our veins because I feel like the schedule is kind of with a lot of these teams they've got like cupcakes on their schedule the last two oh, weeks.
1: SEC cupcakes.
0: Right? So SEC cupcakes. Speaking of the SEC, Oklahoma head coach Lincoln Riley says he's not interested in the LSU job that's going to um, come about here after the season. I don't know. Uh, what do you think, Joshua? Do you think it's just one of those things where he's saying right now the right things? I mean, do you think he'd have any interest in LSU? And more so, more than anything, would it make any sense since Oklahoma is eventually joining the SEC to hop ship over to LSU?
1: Yeah. I, th- I mean, I, th- I think they're asking the wrong question right there. If yeah. you're Lincoln Riley You're going to the SEC, yeah, and it's going to be a challenge at Oklahoma. But if he feels like he's committed to Oklahoma in the SEC, then that's a feeling. I personally believe that when that move happens, LSU is probably still um, a better situation in terms of their ability to win the conference and win a national title. Sure, What he's going to potentially have at Oklahoma, though, is maybe a little bit more leeway. Uh Because LSU has had three coaches since 2000. Yep. Go on to win national championships. So there's an expectation there, but the question's all wrong. They're asking about the wrong job. The job they should be asking Lincoln Riley about is the old USC job.
0: Hmm.
1: I mean, you you think about it out there. Uh-huh. He is a a good looking yep younger Young. guy who can recruit. He's a quarterback guy. Quarterback. Got nothing but quarterbacks out on the yes. west coast. All the best quarterbacks in college football. It feels like yes came from the west coast. That's the job, and and the path is clear. The path is clear for him. Yeah, he's going to have to battle and fight every single week—a dogfight in the SEC. Whereas at USC, it's really just Oklahoma, or excuse me, Oregon that he yeah. would have to be battling with. It's really just Oregon. The path is clear, and that's what he's experienced in the Big Twelve. Really, you know, whether it's a Texas or um, a Baylor, potentially in Oklahoma State, whoever it is, there's really only one other team in the mm-hmm. conference typically that he's battling against. They're yeah. asking about the wrong job in this situation. No,
0: and, and look, when you when I hear Lincoln Riley and LSU, now this is just my opinion, folks, but I just don't see that as a fit for some reason. It just doesn't to me it doesn't like fit right. Um, there's just certain things like LSU is just it's a different place, right? And mm-hmm. I know Oklahoma it has a lot of its traditions too and everything. But I don't know. I, I equate that a little bit closer to a program like USC. I know that USC is in Hollywood and, and that's a different atmosphere. But it, like you said, the whole, the young coach, uh, a coach that can really get quarterbacks to stay in California and not go over to, you know, the SEC, the Big Ten, to be able to probably keep some of those guys there would be huge. And I would think that that's a big thing on their checklist since they haven't been able to get that um, in terms of consistency, at least over the last few years. So that's a great point. Another one, another coaching situation this weekend, which I just put my palm in my head and and I just shook my head after this one. I mean, Texas losing – Mm. to Kansas Joshua mm. uh, and you know we've talked so mm. much about Steve Sarkisian you can is hear it Texas in his voice back?
1: are they back I loved
0: that tweet by the way I don't know if you if you saw it I think I said something all right put some yeah. emoji but man what is going on Joshua back? yeah so, are they back no
1: so here's the thing and, and we were we've been very critical of Texas for sure. a long time on this show um, and, and even when our guy Tom Herman was right? there, we were very critical. And I think rightfully so, because um, that is a job that comes with high expectations. And I think they have the infrastructure un- until they move to the SEC to be the best team in the conference every single year, just in terms of money and where they recruit and um, just everything that they can do. Right. And and so to watch them, it, it seems like year in and year out, underachieve. has been difficult. But now you look at the job that Sark is doing, and you almost ask the question, damn, were we maybe a little bit too critical or too impatient Mm -hmm. when it came to Tom Herman? And too critical, I would say probably no. Too impatient, maybe. Sure. Because Sark is doing some things, and he's taking over a program that was not in bad shape just in terms of the cupboard being bare and in terms of there being no talent or whatever the case is. He's taking over a program that he probably could have gone out this year and I would say should have won hmm, nine ish games, plus or minus, right?
0: huh. Yep.
1: Okay. So now you're in a situation where he's done some things that Tom Herman never did. Tom Herman never lost four in a row, and I'm pretty sure Tom Herman never lost to Kansas, which is wild Dude, at home. So mind you. bad. Um, it's a bad situation, and I'll point to two things before I hand this back to you.
0: Okay. Is
1: if you saw. Who'd they lose to the week before? Was it uh, mm. was it Baylor or was it let Texas me, Tech? Me, me, but anyway, that. they're on the bus back from the game. And the D-line coach, I think his name is Bo Davis, who's been an assistant at Alabama. He's been a very good coach. Mm-hmm. Was cussing the players out, talking about, you know, God. we need to get all you in the transfer portal because you guys are. You're Iowa
0: not, State, sorry.
1: Iowa State, there you go. You need to get in the transfer portal because you're laughing. And, you know, I got my ass kicked as a coach and you guys don't care. This is not the program. Right. And so they had that moment. And to me, that's a moment that's a a challenge to your players that you figure out what you have the next week and they go out and they lose to Kansas. Yes. And Steve Sarkeesian was asked after the game if he had lost his locker room. And his response was, I don't know. You got to go ask the players for that answer. Oh, God. Are you kidding me? Uh, Are you kidding me? Because as bad as things got with Tom Herman, I don't think he ever lost that locker room. He no. lost the boosters before he let himself yes. lose the locker room. Yes, absolutely. Over the yes. eyes of Texas, and we talked about this on the show, where he was willing to go to bat for that, and that was a, a the boosters, that was the end of it for them. Exactly. They said, we're done with you. But at least he had his players. And Sarkin, year one, doesn't have them. That's bad ball.
0: Yeah, that's really bad because here, and you know it the best. I mean, you've been in those locker rooms. You've you've played for coaches, and if you lose a locker room, I mean, in my in my opinion, you are done. Yeah. I, I, it just that is the that is the one thing you don't want to happen, and it's really hard. I'm guessing, and I'll let you answer this. It's really hard to to try to win back a locker room, right? I mean, yeah. can you even do that? Is that yeah. a thing? <laughs> Those
1: guys are going to be far gone. And a lot of them are probably going to end up in the transfer portal. Yes. And then this is the hard thing, too, is, is now you've got to shine up some shit on the recruiting trail. And, mm-hmm. and you've got to make sense of this to yeah, young people that you're trying to, to bring in. Is, you know, the coach was telling guys that he was going to run him out of the program. Are you going to do that same thing to my son if you feel like he's not as good as you thought he was in evaluation? Um, you guys have not had success. You know, how come there was a drop-off even – I know it's year one and you're trying to install your culture, but it should not have been this level of a drop-off. Like, they got the tough questions to answer before they try to sign a class here. And the other thing that you would put out there, too, is the on-field product. Sark is going to to make some offense happen.
0: Well, yeah. I'm not exactly
1: sure how they're going to recruit defense there.
0: Okay, we've been asking this question for the past three years about the defense. I mean – I just the, don't know
1: how they're gonna do it.
0: I know and, and that
1: Herman had similar issues.
0: I absolutely and here's right. the biggest thing of all of it, Joshua, is Texas like buckle up and put your big big boy shoes on because you're about to go to the SEC yeah. where you might be as bad as okay, who am I gonna pick? Who's like the worst team in the SEC right now? I mean, at at a point Mississippi State was down there, they've won some games, but you're you're gonna be on in the cellar, Missouri. Vandy, there yeah. we go, Vandy. I mean, yeah. you're going to be in the cellar of the SEC Gosh. if you don't figure it out, and that's this is, scary.
1: This is what they could become easily in the SEC is Kentucky.
0: And yeah, no, that's, that's I, a valid. I'm, what I'm saying
1: by that is mm-hmm. Kentucky is a program that in that conference even still will end yeah. up winning seven, eight, maybe, maybe eight games a year and then have a special year where they'll pull out a a 10 gamer.
0: Sure.
1: Um, But I mean, they could be a a seven win team every year if they don't get the infrastructure sorted out in terms of the coaching staff, having the thing top to bottom, figured out recruits rolling in there, doing their thing. Like that's what they could be. And that's a shame.
0: Yeah, no, it is. It's, it's, we just keep repeating ourselves and, and for good reason, because it's just, nothing's changing. And, when you think that's you know you get a new head coach in there you think that there's going to be some sort of improvement and and maybe there has been in certain situations but when it comes to the overall product and the games that know. you absolutely cannot lose like it doesn't you, like look you like like said there's
1: been a, a culture improvement and i no. know year one it's it's hard but but you, you can't can typically... go backwards really yes. you
0: shouldn't be going backwards
1: you can tell Yeah, like a coach is going to lose some players, but they're also going to get some guys to really rise. And it feels like they haven't had any of that. No, it's it's a it's a bad situation for them.
0: Yeah, and it and it could get worse, unfortunately, if you lost that locker room. Well, it got worse for good old Jimmy Lake at uh, Washington, those Fuskies. I call them the Huskies because I'm a Washington State grad and I hate the Huskies. So you can imagine um, what I was thinking when I heard the news that Jimmy Lake was fired. And look, this is just a few weeks after our head coach uh, Nick Rolovich was fired. So now you've got the two Washington schools, and they've got they don't have head coaches anymore, which is kind of crazy to think about. And it's really crazy to think about in this scenario because everybody was on the Washington bandwagon to start the season.
1: Yeah. And everyone
0: thought this was going to be the school. Yeah. You
1: know they they were they were going to be able to challenge for the pets. Exactly. This Jimmy Lake effed it up.
0: Well, this is his second season, Joshua. I mean, this is only his second season. He's at four and six and You've probably heard some of the stories, but, I mean, when you think about the firing of Jimmy, like, do you think this was the right decision? Yeah,
1: I mean, from what what I've been able to take away from this is the the football product has not been very good.
0: Mm -mm. And
1: there have been some locker room occurrences that you, you absolutely do not want within your program. And so I think it makes sense. And we saw the uh what happened on the sideline when he was trying to break up the fight it was very aggressive the way that he you know tried to yeah. um restrain his his player and and I don't I don't agree with the coach doing that nope. um and especially when it's out there for everybody to see it's just an awful look but if 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 he was he could be Jimbo Fisher or Brian Kelly right if if he had yeah. if he had a a nine and one eight and two record up to that point where he did that you? then i don't think it's as big of a deal right because we've seen coaches do stuff like that before yeah. and it's just a reprimand but when you're jimmy lake and now all of a sudden you have guys transferring out of the program who are saying that on their exit interview that it's a terrible place or guys who are graduating saying that they wouldn't recommend student athletes go Oof. there um when you have altercations in the locker room that you have to um that are happening behind closed doors but then it comes out publicly that it was not a good situation it's rough but but he still gets his buyout money um yeah 9.9 million dollars over three years
0: and uh, if
1: if i'm him i ain't going to work
0: no three million
1: bucks a year i'm staying home for three years
0: Absolutely. And I don't know who's going to hire him right now. I mean, maybe yeah. an assistant somewhere. I, I don't know. That's what's
1: going to happen. Like, yeah. and, and for a lot of these contracts, he's going to have to find work. They're not just going to let him sit at home. No. Uh, and I, I'm sure that's in there because they have offset language. But I, I'm not exactly sure anybody would hire him as a coordinator right now. Like, no.
0: I, I don't so. know. He, to me, you know what this seems like in, in a different capacity. So obviously, Sark was a head coach at Washington. And Stark, when Stark was at Washington, and before that, I think, he had some major issues, Um, obviously major issues that he had to work on as himself. Maybe Jimmy Lake needs to go to Alabama and and go to the the hard knock school of, yeah, exactly.
1: Go to coaching rehab.
0: Because from everything that I have heard, you know he's from my hometown, right? I did not know that. Yeah, he's from Spokane. He's a NC grad, North Central grad, also where the famous Ryan Sandberg, great baseball player, went to school. Um, And he is, from all accounts that I have heard, he is a very arrogant person.
1: That's interesting. And
0: so I feel like he needs to be humbled. And maybe the best way to do that is, again, to go coach under Nick Saban.
1: I'll tell you what, you can be arrogant – and work for Saban, but you can't be arrogant while you work for Saban. If that nope. makes sense, nope. <laughs> like he is going to have to definitely, if if that ever became a thing, like total but, personality shift. He would he would grow as a human.
0: Well, uh, that's how Lane was, though. Yes, Lane, that's what I'm saying. You you know what I'm saying? Like yeah. I would I would equate Lane. I don't think Lane was like pushing players, but Lane Lane was arrogant, and Lane still has that. Uh, but it's he not does. like it's not it's not like that. I think it's a different type of personality or attitude now yeah,
1: he's arrogant and um, I mean like a, a guy like Bill O'Brien he's he's a an arrogant yeah. guy too and I yeah. think he's had some issues um, at Alabama just as a play caller in general but like you see these different personalities and I'm, I'm telling you right now Saban will work wonders for your career but you have to do it his way
0: you do and that's the whole point of I think why it works if you do go there and you do kind of learn because you're going to come out I know this sounds cheesy, but I I firmly believe you come out a better man under Saban, the way that he operates down there. I don't
1: disagree with you at all in in saying that.
0: Um, I actually think that ESPN should try to do, like, a game day piece on just, you know, these coaches coming in and – turning new leaves under him. I don't know. I think it'd be spectacular. I think it'd be a great thing to like, see if it was a like a series
1: documentary, yeah. maybe a, a little 30 for 30 type situation. Yeah.
0: yeah, Like behind the scenes kind of thing. I think it'd be fascinating, but yeah, that's, that's one me.
1: coach that I, I've never met before that. I would just love to, to yep. spend a day or yep. two. I think follow him, just shadow him.
0: That's what I was going to say. I mean, I got, I was lucky enough to cover him in my first, in his first ever season at Alabama, which I think is pretty cool. Considering he's changed a lot since then, too. I mean, because he's changed in terms of he's still going to be Saban, but he he's loosened up over the years when it comes to the media. He still gives him a hard time for things, but he's also a little bit softer, right? For sure, because he's, he's been through a lot more. So, uh, one last coaching. Thing I wanted to talk about. So I guess Dabo Sweeney came out this week and said he's not participating in the coaches right, poll. What in the, okay, one. so I want you, I want you to tell me about the situation last season
1: yep.
0: and then I want you to go ahead and chime in on your favorite coach in college football. And if you okay. don't think I'm being sarcastic, I am.
1: This is just... <laughs> All right, so let me let me throw this out here for folks who don't know how the coaches poll works. Yeah, yeah. The coaches actually don't vote. I don't know if anybody knew this. <laughs> so what happens is the sports information director yeah. who handles media relations for these programs typically will Ooh. be the, the one who votes. Mm-hmm. And they'll send it to coach for approval.
0: Mm-hmm. And
1: so coach will make sure that it, it generally makes sense You know, a lot of times these coaches' polls will favor their conference. You know, it's a little politicking involved. But, you know, ultimately, you don't put dumb things in there. No. And so basically what I'm getting at is the SID at Clemson did the coaches' poll, gave it to Dabo, said, hey, man, take a look at this. Let me know if it's good to go. And Dabo went out of his way to say, no, we're not. We're putting Ohio State at 11. Yep. Putting them down there. Yep. coach, why are we going to do that? Because we're putting them down there, whatever. And so he went out and he justified it, tried to, um, and ended up looking stupid in my opinion. Oh, yeah. And then, of course, as fate would have it, had to play Ohio State in the college football playoff and got boat raced 49 to 28 in the Sugar Bowl. Yep. And so now he comes out and, you know, well – It's a distraction. It became a distraction. I'm just worried about my team and this, that. Well, you know what? You know what, Dabo? You know what? It didn't have to be a distraction.
0: No. You, You
1: didn't have to do what you did. And you knew that your justification was weak. They didn't play enough games. Right. But how good are they? Better than your team. You know what? You could say that Ohio State last year broke your team.
0: Exactly. Because you stink
1: now. So, yeah, it's just... What, I'm I'm not a fan of this guy.
0: I'm sorry, but this should be the last thing that he's coming out and worrying about, or trying to like cause why? Like, why even put this out there? Like to because me, then it he just he likes
1: attention. He likes Nobody's attention. Talking you're, about them, right you're now.
0: exactly right. You are 120 percent correct, Joshua, because nobody cares about Clemson right now. Like no, they're out of it. Like they're so far removed from the college football playoff. They're so far removed from anything in terms of being a good team this season. And it's like, what can I do to to cause a little bit of uh, you know, drama in terms of you know people looking at me? And it's not, it's not his team. It's about Dabo, and that's what I get annoyed with. I feel like it's always Dabo. It's not really like about Kayla, his team, right,
1: Kayla? You, I mean, you hit. The nail on <laughs> uh, the head. Right. With that one. It's in and, and this is not to say that he does not celebrate his guys. And right. that, you know, he, he hasn't he hasn't put his players in positions to be successful. But it is to say that there have been a lot of moments where the conversation hasn't been about Trevor Lawrence no. when he had Trevor Lawrence and Etienne when he had Etienne, Deshaun when he had Deshaun the conversation was about Dabo and you know, the little old me and the aw shucks and all the, yes. the dumb things that he likes to say and how he likes to his stick,
0: his stick. Yep.
1: And when, when it comes to different programs, when it comes to Alabama, it's not all about Saban.
0: No. Right. Saban exactly is a,
1: right. a topic of conversation, yeah. but it's not all about him. Yep. Not about Ryan day. Nope. You know, nope. it's, I mean, you can go through, it's not about Lincoln Riley. People talk about, you know, the quarterback developments and, and all this yeah. other kind of stuff. But they, they talk about the players more yeah. than they talk about the coach.
0: Yeah, that's a that's a great point and a great way to compare it to other situations because it is different when it comes to the Davo sweeney show. Um, real quickly before we wrap this up, the Dabo show. The Dabo <laughs> show. He's, I'm sure he'll start selling T-shirts next with oh, his God. face on him. So that's, that's I'm sure, the next thing that he'll try to do this season. Uh, we've got, like I said, not a great Week 12 schedule. Look, Joshua, I was even, like, shocked to hear that George is done with SEC play. Like, they're done. Tennessee was their last SEC game of the regular season. And I was they looking – a-
1: uh, they Kirk got, Kirk, yeah. and then they got uh, Georgia, Georgia Tech? Tech. Yeah.
0: Yeah. I mean, it's kind of weird to me. I'm not going to lie. Like during this part of the season, it's like you're looking down this SEC schedule in particular, and I'm seeing just all these like, you know, like little little colleges. They're playing. I think even TSU is playing. TSU is playing somebody big uh oh Mississippi State but still I think it's TSU and Mississippi State but still I mean what is this at the end of the season you're gonna play these games well we know
1: exactly what it is because they they want to make sure that they're fresh heading into the rivalry games and heading into the conference championship potentially um whereas you can play in the big 10 yeah And if you're Michigan State you finish off with uh um, Ohio State and Penn State. If you're Ohio State, you finish with uh, Michigan State and Michigan. Yeah. If you're Michigan, you got Maryland, which is a team that can run you up and down the field if you let them, and then Ohio State at the end. Like, you know, freaking Wisconsin's finishing with Minnesota, who's a team that would give you trouble. Like, it, there's not I a know. break. I know. There's not a break.
0: Well, and in then, the Pac-12's not like that either. No. I mean, they're not sitting here. These love
1: to talk about yes. how tough it is to be in, in the SEC – until it's week twelve,
0: exactly, and then they're like, it, and then you go back. You're like, what? Why do I even want to watch any of it? I'm not watching. Like, I'll watch, but I'm not going to be like glued into the TV with some of these games because what's the point, you know? <sighs> um. So one one game that is going to be fabulous this weekend that I know you're looking forward to. So really quickly before um, we move on to the one pack 12 game that we'll talk about ohio state and michigan state this is going to be a really good game or at least it should be um when it comes to looking at this matchup and it's in columbus so joshua i mean what are you looking forward to with this one and should it be close i mean in your opinion should this be a good one or do you think do you think michigan state doesn't have a
1: chance so here's here's the funny thing is Vegas says it's a, a a 20 point spread right now or 19 or whatever the case is okay I I, I would stay away from that number yeah personally. I would too I, I think there's gonna be a lot of points between both teams because I don't yeah. think either defense is great uh um, yeah. Michigan State it has the worst pass defense nationally and they're going up against um the the the, the top offense in the country so Ohio State's going to be able to score um I think that there's been a little Um, deception with Ohio State's defense where they're they're really good in in run defense but they haven't seen a good rushing team since they gave up 170 rushing yards to Mo Ibrahim in the first game before he went out of that with injury and then they gave up 269 on the ground to Oregon right so this will be a test with Kenneth Walker coming in and then people for some reason who haven't watched Michigan State um, they don't understand that their quarterback has been solid all year and they've got a couple of really good wide receivers. This game is going to feature five of the top 10 wide receivers in the big 10. Wow. Three for Ohio state and two for Michigan state. So there's going to be a lot of offense in this game. Now I'll give you the history on this because this history is near and dear to my heart. The last regular season. um, I'm, I'm trying to, I'm trying to figure out what it was. Oh, here we go. The last time that Michigan State beat Ohio State was in 2015. And it was the second to last game of the year. And it was Ohio State's uh, senior day. That was my senior day. Um, And it was a Michigan State team that wasn't nearly as good. Ohio State was picked to repeat as champions that year. Mm -hmm. And they beat us. Beat me. Yep. Beat our ass. And it was a sad day. That is not what I am saying will happen to Ohio State. But what I am saying is, like, Mark D'Antonio, Mel Tucker, spent some time uh, coaching at yeah. Ohio State. True. Um, Mel Tucker is from Cleveland. Um, ah. So there is some Ohio State history. Yeah. That I think is really interesting there. Just the state of Ohio. And they've got, like, three starters that are from Central Ohio. They're from the Columbus area. Yep. Um, there's there's going to be some storylines to follow. I think it's a high-scoring game. I think Ohio State might be able to pull off a couple of touchdowns late to really separate, but I don't think this is a game where uh, Michigan State totally gets routed sure. from start to finish.
0: No, and I think you're right. I mean, I think I, I would probably say that that's the way it will shake out. Again, anything can happen, but I – I think it'll probably be along the lines of that one. And honestly, I, I think you can probably be able to to see a lot out of this one. And because, like you were saying, Ohio State, you mentioned the defense is just not as great as it's been in the past. Um, you know, can they rise to the test? I mean, can can they look at – can Ohio State look at this team, a, a good Michigan team, and say, okay, what do we need to do to, to really like – put it on them, right? To really show out. And and because a lot of people are going to be watching this game in Ohio state, let's be honest. It's not like we've been watching every single game nationally, like, like super close. Right. I feel like this one is like, okay, this is everyone's going to be tuned into this one.
1: I mean, if you, if you look at what happened with Ohio state is they played Oregon and then they went and they played Tulsa, and they played Akron, and yeah. they played Rutgers, and they played Indiana, and and just a bunch of teams that they were supposed to beat. And I think folks watched that game against Nebraska that they played where they didn't necessarily look great. And then a, a lot of people was the, the, I think the third most watched game of the weekend, last weekend watched them against Purdue where they were explosive on offense, but they gave up 31 points and almost 400 passing to Purdue. Right. So, this is a a game where they can they can uh, really nationally control yeah. the narrative. I I but agree. People also like the Michigan schools. People still yeah. think Michigan State's really good.
0: Yep, and so. that's fine because we're gonna see it shake out. Um, and then another game to look out for, and um, this should be, I mean, this should be interesting. I don't think Utah is gonna beat Oregon. I, Oregon played Washington State last week, and look, Washington State definitely hung with them. For a bit um tested them for a bit I think Oregon has the best team in the Pac-12 obviously I don't mm. know how great they are outside of the Pac-12 so I'm still sure. not going to go on that bag bandwagon but Utah should give them a test I mean Utah is one of those weird programs where you know they've been really good they've gone yes, through yeah. a lot of adversity this last season um with losing one of their players and uh I, there's just a lot going on there, but it is in Utah. So you can't really count the Utes out in this one. So that should be a good one, Joshua.
1: Yeah. And I mean, this is the test too, right? If you're, it if is. you're Oregon, yeah. you don't have ranked matchups. Yeah. You, you don't have the prove it like Ohio state does. If they can beat Michigan state and beat Michigan and then probably beat a Wisconsin yeah. who at that point you would imagine would be right there on the cusp of the top 10 in the big 10 championship game. Yeah. Like they don't have those opportunities. So this, this, it, they have to win, but I also think style points are going to come into play I, here. Yeah, for Oregon. Let me give you a, a quick sleeper game um, okay. in the Big Ten. <laughs> this is a real sleeper. Is Penn State and Rutgers are playing?
0: Oh boy! And
1: the reason I throw this up here is because Penn State hadn't been good for them. Has no. not been a good stretch for them. No. And for Rutgers, one more win Ooh. and they make it to a bowl game. Ooh. And for Rutgers, oh boy, Penn State comes into New Jersey and they recruit guys, and Rutgers wants to put a fence up around New Jersey, and I think it's just it's big. And Rutgers had a huge win over Indiana. Indiana is not very good this year. They beat Indiana thirty-eight to three, though they were in control of that game. <laughs> uh, this this will be interesting because <laughs> Rutgers mentality yeah. is totally different than what Penn State's. Doing.
0: I love that. I love that sleeper pick. I like it. That is not a bad. Uh, that is not a bad pick in terms of if you want a sleeper because you're right. I think, you, speaking of losing the locker room, I mean, James Franklin seems to be on his way out somehow. Yeah, and I don't, I th- I don't I, know
1: what's going to happen. Yeah, it's not, it's not a good pick. It season.
0: don't look good. So that's, that's a great one. I like that, Joshua. Well, that will do it for this episode. Press Pass. Thanks for listening. As always, you can follow Joshua Perry at?
1: At RIP underscore JEP.
0: He's been on Twitter on fire lately, so mm. make sure to join his conversation. You can join my conversation at Anderson TV. I'm also on Instagram at the same handle, and we appreciate you guys tuning in this week. We'll be back next week, but enjoy what, uh, you know, hopefully is a good weekend of college football. There's always crazy upsets, so we can never complain, right? Right. <laughs> All right. Have a great weekend, guys.